The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, for the wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you cannot know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Father, help us to receive and understand your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have ever read through all four Gospels, and I assume that many of you have, you probably noticed an interesting phenomenon as you went through. That is that as you went through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you recognize that some of the same material is in all three Gospels. And then as you got to the Gospel of John, you probably noticed a dramatic change. It's a change both in content and in style. The style is different, the vocabulary is different, and much of the content is different. In fact, as they do an analysis, we find that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have about 70% of the same content. 70 plus percent, almost 80 percent of what's in the Gospel of Mark is also found in Matthew and Luke. But as we get over to the Gospel of John, only 10 percent of what's in John's Gospel is found in the Synoptic Gospels. Clement of Alexandria, which was one of the um, early leaders of the church, we called them the church fathers, Clement said, after Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote their historic accounts of Jesus' life on earth, John then wrote a spiritual gospel. What was Clement saying? Was he saying that the other three aren't spiritual? No, he was saying that they approached it from a historic perspective. But John had some spiritual ideas, some theological ideas, that he was prompted by the Spirit to write. And he wrote them using primarily signs and symbols. This is the same John who wrote the book of Revelation. If you've ever read the book of Revelation, you know it's full of signs and symbols. It's It's a different genre, as we say in literature. You wouldn't read the book of Revelation as a history book. It is anything but a history book. It is a book full of signs and symbols that all point to God and God's work, but it does so in a very mysterious and spiritual way. 
Likewise, the Gospel of John, although it recounts the life of Jesus and his teaching, he leaves out a lot of the stuff that's in the synoptics. And the part of Jesus' life that he does cover is very much filled with signs and symbols. So we face that here in the third chapter of the Gospel of John. Nicodemus came to visit with Jesus. It says he came at night. Now some have speculated that he came at night because he didn't want to be seen talking to Jesus. But I suspect that he probably came at night because he knew that the crowds would be smaller. He didn't want big crowds. And he wanted to have a personal conversation with Jesus. And he probably speculated that if he went after hours, when the crowds had mostly gone home for the evening, he could get up close and personal, and he could have a personal conversation with Jesus. And so Nicodemus starts off and he says, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you have come from God, because no one could do the miracles that you're doing unless God was with him. There's probably a question that follows that. But he didn't get around to asking his question. Unlike the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, "Uh, Lord, what do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus gave him the answer. Or the the, uh, lawyer who came to Jesus and said, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus gave him the answer. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, but he doesn't ask a question. He's just... He's just putting it out there. He's just saying, Lord, I know that you came from God because you're doing all these miracles and I don't understand. But before he could ever ask any question, Jesus began to explain to him all that was in his heart. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus is thinking, trying to understand, but I've never heard anything like this before. I'm a teacher. I'm a senior rabbi. I'm a member of the Sanhedrin. But what is this born-again stuff? I don't, I don't quite get it. My church doesn't teach born-again. Jesus, what is it you're trying to say? Can a man, when he is old, enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus began to explain some more. He says, that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. But unless you are born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There's an interesting play in words that takes place here. Um, Let's go to the next slide. Do we have the next slide up, please? Several times in here, he uses the word wind, he uses the word spirit, he uses the word water. There's an interesting play in words in that, in the Greek, the same Greek word for wind also means spirit. So throughout this passage, when we hear Jesus saying, unless you're born of the spirit, And when he says the wind blows wherever it wants to, and you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going, and so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The interesting play on words is that wind and spirit in the Greek are the same words. And so in each of these places, you could transfer out wind or spirit 
or mix them up, you only know based on the context whether it's really talking about wind or spirit. In fact, the third meaning of it is breath. And many places in the New Testament, the word uh, pneuma is translated as breath. So it can mean breath, wind, or spirit. The other thing that we, that we notice is that the word spirit sometimes is translated uh, with a capital S and sometimes with a uh, small letter S. So we see there at the end of verse 8, so it is with everyone born of the spirit. And spirit is capitalized. Um, if we go back into verse uh, 5, spirit is also capitalized. In verse 6, where it says, that which, is, uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, depending on the translation that you have, most of them capitalize the first word spirit, and they leave the second one small. And so the indication is that which is born of the Holy Spirit becomes a living human spirit. So the point is, that's not in the Greek. The original language did not capitalize the word spirit when it's Holy Spirit and leave the other one small. That is the translators trying to figure out exactly what he's talking about. I think the ESV has it correct on this one, a, a correct translation of which is holy and which is human. But there are cases in the New Testament where the translators do not agree. Is he talking about the Holy Spirit or the human spirit? And some of them will capitalize the word S, uh, and some of them won't. But in this one, he says, that which is born of the spirit, capital S, is spirit, small s. That which is born of the, of the Holy Spirit becomes a living human spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, there is a similar play on words in that the Hebrew word ruach, just like pneuma, can mean spirit, it can mean wind, or it can mean breath. And the only way you know the difference is by the context. And again, the translations, if they think it's the Holy Spirit, they will capitalize it. If they think it's not the Holy Spirit, they'll leave it small. That's the translator's decision. So, for instance, in Ezekiel chapter 37, God said to Ezekiel the prophet, he took him in a vision out to a great valley. And he said, Ezekiel, what do you see here? And Ezekiel said, I see a valley full of dry bones. And God said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Well, Ezekiel had seen miracles before, so he didn't want to doubt God. But when God says to you, and he shows you a bunch of dry bones laying out on the valley floor, on the ground, and he says, can these bones come to life again? What do you say to God? Ezekiel says, only you know, God. He doesn't want to say to God, no, there's no way those bones can come to life again, but he's just not sure that that's possible. He knows that God can raise the dead, somebody that's been dead a couple of hours, a couple of days, maybe even three days, but dry bones laying out on the valley, that's a bit of a stretch. And so Ezekiel says, I don't know, God, only you know. And so God then says something more amazing to Ezekiel. He said, son of man, prophesy to these bones. 
Now, from a preaching perspective, sometimes we preach to audiences that are not very lively, but God's never called me to preach to dry bones before. And if he did, I'm not sure what I would say. How long would my sermon be? Would I jump up and down and shout at the bones? I wouldn't quite know what to say to a valley full of dry bones. But Ezekiel did the best he could. He went out there and he prophesied to the bones. And as he prophesied to the bones, the wind began to blow. And down through that valley of his vision, the wind began to blow, and it began to pick up on those dry bones. One bone moved and began to touch on another bone. Another bone began to blow, and the bones began to blow together. And as they did, the scripture says, and sinew came upon the bones, and flesh began to appear on the bones, and the wind began to blow, and eventually the bones began to stand upright. God said to Ezekiel, these bones are the house of Israel. Now, the house of Israel was going through a spiritually difficult time. Israel was, had become despondent. They were away from God. They were under persecution. Their relationship with God had become strained and somewhat distant. He was no longer the God of miracles and the God of blessings to them, or at least they did not perceive of him that way, and they were strained in their relationship with God. And God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. These bones represent the house of Israel, and as God brought blew the wind down through the valley. The bones came together and they stood upright on their feet. And God said to Israel, I will once again restore you and put my life into you. It's interesting that both in Hebrew and in Greek, the words wind and spirit and breath have the same meaning. And he's explaining here to Nicodemus, Nicodemus says, I know that you're performing these miracles and you must be from God, but what do you mean by being born again? And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born of the water and of the spirit. And then he says, for the wind blows wherever it wishes to. And you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going. How many of you have ever tried to control the wind? You have. Were you very good at it? Were you successful? It didn't work. Okay. At least you tried. The rest of you haven't even tried. How do you know if something doesn't work unless you try? At least you tried. You tried to control the wind. It didn't work very well. Can you see the wind when it blows? Most of you are saying no. You see the results of it, right? You see it blowing debris. You see the tree branches waving in the wind. You hear your wind chimes going. You see the result of the blowing wind, but you don't see the wind itself. Can you predict the wind? Well, the weather channel tries, like that. The weather channel tries, but they don't always get it right. They try by looking at other patterns, what's going on in other places, and maybe it'll come here eventually. So they'll say, tomorrow we may have high winds, and the high winds may be anywhere from 5 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour. 
They may be blowing northwest or they may be blowing southeast, but we think that there might be a wind tomorrow. They are, they, they can sort of look at it, but they don't know for sure. The intensity of the wind, it might blow strong, it might blow weak, it might be gushing, it may blow uh, like if you look at hurricanes and tornadoes, they pass through a town, they will flatten some houses, they will travel down some streets, destroy a street, and leave another section of the, of the town completely untouched. It is somewhat unpredictable. The occurrence of it, the force of it, and the place where it blows. And so Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus in the only terms that he can find. Being born again is like the Spirit of God blowing into your life. You don't know exactly when he's coming, where he's coming, through what means he's coming. He will blow at God's sovereign will and you cannot stop him. Sometimes it's a word from a sermon that just lodges right within you. And it wasn't really the human words at all, but God has used that that word to launch into your life, to speak into your life. Sometimes it's music. You'll be listening to, um, to the worship team or to a song on the radio or to your own CD, and God uses that music to speak directly into your life. There are times when we're seeking God, And he finds a way to answer us, maybe through a channel that we were expecting, but very often speaks through a channel that we are not expecting. And not only does he answer when we are seeking him, but there are times he answers when we are not seeking him. Times when we are trying to turn away from God and go in a very different direction. We're not listening to God. We're not looking for God. We're not wanting to hear from God. Our mind is made up that we're going in a different direction. But as Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, the wind, he blows where he wishes, and no one can know where he's coming from or where he's been, and no one can control or stop him. Even when you're not looking for God, he will sometimes break into your life talk about invasion of privacy. They're all over Facebook and Twitter and all those for invading privacy. Somebody should bring a lawsuit against the Holy Spirit because I'm telling you, he will break into your life in times when you have not invited him. And you don't want him to be there because you don't want to have this conversation. You have something else on your agenda. But God who is sovereign through the wind of the Spirit can speak to you in ways and through channels and are at times when it just blows you over and you're not looking for it and he catches you completely unaware. Why? Because he is sovereign and the wind blows wherever it wish- he wishes. I would guess that in this congregation here this morning, there are some like Nicodemus who have heard about the things of God, but have not experienced it. Nicodemus was at least honest enough and inquisitive enough 
that he was willing to come out and to try to find a personal time to be with God. God, I've heard about all these great things that you're doing. I believe that it's from God. I just don't understand it. I've never heard that at my church before. I don't know what's going on. We've always been taught that that doesn't happen anymore. You've got to understand that when Jesus came, there had been a period of 400 years of silence with no prophets from Malachi to Matthew. No prophetic utterances, no great moving of the Spirit. No one was doing miracles. No, And so you got to understand that Nicodemus comes to God and he says, I'm a little bit confused by all of this. I've heard about it, but I've never experienced it. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That has a couple of possible meanings. Usually when we talk about the kingdom of God, very often we're talking about the future. But in the Bible, the kingdom of God is used in two different ways. It's the yet and it's the not yet. It's the now and it's the future. The kingdom of God often refers to heaven, a place that we go to in the future. But in many occasions, Jesus talked about it and he said the kingdom of God has come upon you. It is here now. In another place, Um, He said, don't go out looking for the signs of the kingdom. When someone tells you uh, this great event is here, it's there, it's someplace else, Jesus said, don't go out looking for it, for the kingdom of God is within you. It's here, it's now, it's within you. And so Nicodemus says, I want to see the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Meaning that it's here but you won't see it. God is at work all around you. God is at work in your home. God is at work in your neighborhood. God is at work in your church. God is at work in your school. He's at work in the world all around you. But until your eyes have been opened, you do not see or recognize that it's the work of God. Two people can be in exactly the same place, and and one will recognize God's hand at work, and the other is in complete denial. Why? Because one has been spiritually enlightened by being born again, and he or she, through the eyes of faith, see that this is the work of God, and they are able to understand it, while the other does not. So Nicodemus came saying, I've heard about this, but I have not experienced it. And what Jesus offers him is not just an adaptation or a, or a rehabbing. Um, my wife and I watch a lot of those shows on TV where they go into an old house and they uh, refurbish and rehab the house. And sometimes all they do is tear out the old kitchen cabinets and uh, countertops and put in some uh, new kitchen and some new carpets and on their way. But in other places, they completely gut the place and start over again. So Jesus says to Nicodemus, I don't want to just make some minor tweaks in your life. That won't, that won't get it. If you're really trying to understand the kingdom of God, it doesn't just take an adjustment to where you are. It takes a complete blowing of the wind so that you become born again, and it's a new life that is so different from the old Jesus says, I can't even talk about it in human terms. I can't even explain it to you in human terms. I have to give you these spiritual signs and symbols 
invite you to be born again through the water and through the wind of the Spirit. The wind is unpredictable. He blows when and where he wishes. Sometimes in our Christian experience, even after we have experienced God in a dramatic way, there comes times in our life where, as it was with Israel, when Ezekiel went out to the valley and prophesied over the dry bones, God was saying to Israel, you are my people, but you have wandered away, and our relationship has become strained and somewhat difficult, and we're no longer walking in the same fellowship that we used to have. And so there comes times periodically in our lives when we need a time of spiritual refreshing. We have experienced God. We have experienced all this. We have been born again. But there's been times for many of us when that experience has become cold and distant and somewhat strained and in need of a renewal. And so this blowing of the wind, it never completely stops. It may come to a point where you don't hear it, you don't feel it, you don't see the results of it, but he's never completely gone. But there are times for each of us when we need a renewal and we need to cry out to God that his wind, the wind of the Spirit, might blow once again and come down with a period of refreshing that like it did for the bones in the valley, sometimes our bones, our inner being, just needs a new, a, a, a new fresh breath of air blowing into our lives. If we are humble enough to come as Nicodemus did, saying, God, there is something lacking in my life, I need that which I see in your life. And the wind of the Spirit needs to blow once again.